Welcome to the 108th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore of the Land Stewardship Project. When a business closes in a rural community, the following 24 months or so are key. Whether it be a farm, small town grocery, or repair shop, if the real estate it occupied is still lacking a day-to-day human presence a year or two down the road, it sends a troubling message about the future not only of that particular enterprise, but the community as a whole. That's why the residents in and around the western Minnesota community of Clinton are anxious to see a former restaurant full of clattering cups and lively chatter again. The space in question is called the Clinton Kitchen, a narrow spot on Main Street wedged between a 24-hour fitness center and an abandoned pool hall. A few years ago, the city of Clinton, which has a population of around 450 people, acquired the Masonic building that houses the restaurant space, which was most recently the home of a diner called Joni's. In December 2010, Joni's went out of business, and ever since, members of the community have been grappling with how to keep the restaurant space from becoming an abandoned eyesore, like the former pool hall next door. In April 2011, the Land Stewardship Project began leasing the old restaurant space and started hosting discussions around how Clinton Kitchen could serve as a hub for sustainable economic development in western Minnesota's Big Stone County. Over the years, the county's economy has come to be dominated by corn and soybean production, which has resulted in fewer thriving farms and other businesses and an exodus of young people. These discussions have been led by the Big Stone Local Foods Group, which is made up of farmers, business owners, and others who feel the production and consumption of local food could be a cornerstone of a thriving Main Street, not just in Clinton, but in other area communities as well. Research shows local food systems offer a lot of promise for revitalizing rural communities. So LSP and the Big Stone Local Foods Group are looking at using the Clinton Kitchen as a location for doing everything from cooking and processing local food to serving community meals that are healthy and sourced from area farmers. Rebecca Turk, an LSP organizer working with the local foods group, says that even though Big Stone County has been officially designated a food desert by the USDA, in fact a lot of food is produced under the radar in numerous gardens, backyard orchards, and even on small livestock operations. The trick is to get that food to local eaters on a consistent basis in a way that's good for the local economy. I recently stopped by the Clinton Kitchen and chatted with Turk about the region's potential to produce and consume more local food and how the former diner could help nurture such sustainable economic development. Well, Big Stone County is considered a food desert by the USDA, um, and it fits that definition in the sense that um, a large percentage of the population lives over five miles away from a grocery store. Um, But that being said, there is a huge amount of food that is produced in this area, whether it be uh, through gardens, you know, market gardens, truck gardens, every shelter belt has plum trees, or every farmstead, or or even... um, house in the community, has an apple tree in the yard. So there's a huge amount of food being produced here. So even though uh, we're considered a food desert by the USDA because of, you know, people's um, uh, lack of proximity to grocery stores, you have to think about where food actually comes from. And if food comes from the farm, which it does, and food comes from people's yards and and, um, people's farmsteads, then we're actually... um, quite, you know, a a huge food production area, and there is a huge amount of of gleaning and sharing that goes on in Big Stone County. And so um, for people who are, uh, have 
you know, historical or cultural ties in this area, family ties in this area. Most of those people, um, especially those on limited incomes, a large amount of their food security comes not from being able to go to the grocery store, but having those connections with neighbors, with friends, with family who are, you know, producing food and sharing it within the community. I think that's a really important point. And I think that's one of the things you're looking at with this space here, this former restaurant the Clinton Kitchen, is looking at how can this be an area that facilitates those connections. Um, it sounds like a lot of good ideas have been thrown out about how to maybe uh, go about that. One of the issues with food security in Big Stone County is that there is a segment of the population that maybe doesn't have um, as much access to food simply because they either don't have the time or they don't have the skills, knowledge, or connections to be able to get or deal with, process the huge amounts of food that we produce in this area. So while they may uh, be able to take a small bag of apples, say, you know, five or six apples home, and well, they'll eat them fresh as a snack or something. If you hand them a bushel of apples or two bushels of apples, they wouldn't really know what to do with those or how to process them so that it is a food that they can have, you know, a little bit longer term and get some more food security from that. And so one of the uh, many ideas and possibilities for the Clinton Kitchen is to help teach people to process to preserve some of those foods um, and also create an intergenerational connection because we do, you know, Big Stone County, like much of Western Minnesota, we have a lot of people in their 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. There are a lot of skills. There's a lot of knowledge within, you know, that community and it's knowledge that doesn't always get shared and, and I think it would be really nice to be able to make some connections between those generations and, and help some of the younger people learn those skills in, in food preservation and therefore helping with food security. One of the challenges you see in a lot of towns this size who are in this situation, um, who were relying on agriculture for so long and now, frankly, are dying in, in, in many ways, is you get to that point where it gets so dire, the situation gets so dire that people, local folks, get kind of give up hope. I get the feeling here in Clinton that there isn't, you know, things aren't, it's not like there's a business on every uh, block and, and everything. Things aren't great economically, but there seems to be, it seems like you people have been able, have been pretty receptive to some new ideas and that you've been able to work with, I know, obviously the city owns this building and they believed in this enough to rent this to LSP. Talk a little bit about how maybe going to the city council and talking about some of these ideas, it, it sounds like they've been fairly receptive to at least let's try some let's try some different things kind of kind of idea. Yeah, the great thing about Clinton is that no one takes this town's existence for granted. They are really excited and, you know, I mean, they don't always understand exactly what it is we're trying to do, but they're very receptive and they're very excited um, to have new people come to the community, new ideas, and, and frankly, to see um, buildings get used. So, you know, we've had a great reception from the community. We've had a great reception from the city government. That's They have invited me to come in and speak to them, talk to them about our work. They have just been just fantastic in, in, in working with us. You know, we had an event yesterday 
uh, on October 13th at the Memorial Building in downtown Clinton, where we served a local foods lunch in conjunction with a fall country market, um, crafts and arts and things like that. And in a town of 450 people, um, we served 150 people and uh, raised about $800 toward the Clinton Kitchen um, renovation project, and we were able to hand that check over to the mayor today, and and she was just really excited and really happy to see that there are people who are really working for the future of the community. Yeah, so Rebecca, talk about going forward here, maybe some of the challenges that uh, an area like this faces. You know, you said that one of the, I guess, advantages this area has, it does produce a lot of food and has that history, but what are some of the challenges out there? Well, I think uh, some of our challenges come out of things like producing so much food. I mean, that is a great thing. But at the same time, because we have a huge amount of um, local food production, people gardening, people raising a few animals, um, we also uh, sometimes, you know, get the sense that, well, that food is something that we share. It's something that neighbors give other neighbors. And so there isn't necessarily a monetary value put on it um, by people in the community, or the monetary value is not commensurate with what it costs to produce that item. Sometimes I will see at the farmer's market um, producers that I just can't believe that they're charging um, what it costs to produce that food. And and part of that is that, you know, there there is a sense that, well, this, you know, there's not the value placed on it. Whereas you know, when you think about local food and especially in, you know, in, in metro areas, you know, there's a sense that maybe that's more expensive. Local food, you know, in this area, you know, I don't think that for a lot of people there was ever any difference between local food and food because there is such a um, a history um, and a culture of growing gardens and, and raising livestock. You know, and another challenge, too, is that uh, we are a spread-out population. We produce a huge amount of food, and we probably produce a heck of a lot more food than, than we could really consume in this area. And so we need to figure out what to do with that excess, and and that's where we get into um, discussions about that infrastructure that's needed for storage, for aggregation, the transportation costs, distribution, uh, all of those questions that are, you know, huge questions really everywhere, you know, in local foods work. Well, we were able to use some of our program funds at the end of last year uh, to help some of the local businesses and institutions get some really needed equipment, um, whether it was a vegetable steamer for the Clinton Gracefield Beardsley school system um, that allows them to take the produce that they grow in their school garden and serve it in a way that, you know, is, is more healthy, retains the vitamins, and isn't kind of boiled to death in the convection oven. We sourced a commercial food processor for the Clinton Care Center, our senior center here in town, where they chop everything by hand for, you know, 21 to 25 residents. And to be able to take that commercial food processor and um, put through it the food that the Girl Scouts grow in the uh, garden there at the care center. Big Stone Lake Emergency Food Shelf, we worked with them to get a a large commercial chest freezer. And our uh, food co-op in Ortonville, um, we helped them to get a commercial upright display freezer and they have been able to use that to sell locally raised chickens 
uh, also here in Clinton, we worked with uh, Bonnie's Hometown Grocery, and Bonnie has just been great working with our project. She's been, you know, uh, integrating more local produce uh, into her store um, in this town of 450 people, and people have been really excited about it flies off the shelves, especially in the early season. But we helped her um, get a new uh, produce display case. The one that she had in the store was the oldest piece of equipment she had there and was really not functioning very well. And um, so we were able to get her a brand new one. And boy, she just, her face just lit up when she saw that thing. It was really exciting. And, And she's just been a great partner on our project. That's been really fantastic. And also just working with other, you know, restaurants and and the grocery stores and just kind of slowly getting a few more things in, um, more working, connecting them more with the local producers in this region and helping them integrate more of those local foods into their menus. For more information on Clinton Kitchen and efforts to develop a local food system in western Minnesota, see www.landstewardshipproject.org. Click on the blog link and search the phrase Clinton Kitchen. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member... Visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.